If no one sheds light on what is being done in the darkness, it will never stop. One in three girls and one in six boys are sexually abused and told to hush. Breaking the silence is the first step to healing. Healing is a lifelong journey. Find your voice. Your story matters. Pain put me into hiding. Purpose called me out. May the silence be broken. Thanks for listening to the One Voice Podcast. It's a safe place for conversation on relevant topics with real-life stories to encourage and inspire you along life's journey of healing from sexual abuse. I'm Mary O'Brien, and now Nicole Braddock-Bromley. Welcome back to the One Voice Podcast. We're super excited to be with you again today. Thank you so much for tuning in. I think we're on like number 60 of our podcast. We've had so many incredible guests and today is a very special one for me. One of my very good friends, Jackie Dorman, is with us and she has just an incredible background. She's done a lot in just media and according to her website, she led an Emmy Award winning TV studio and I know that she produced an international film and art festival, which I was so glad to be a part of and was a visionary for an award-winning brand, Jane.TV. She's known for just being a passionate woman dedicated to helping people through online media, workshops, has an incredible ministry that's broad and reaches so many amazing people. And it's just been a real treat for me to be friends with her for so long. Um, Jackie, I don't know if you remember, but I think the very first time I met you, we met up at a Panera for lunch and you had invited me. (laughs) And I I usually don't just meet up with people that I don't know, but I knew we had mutual friends. And so I met up with you and it was one of the most memorable lunches of my life. Yes, it was great. I do remember. I do. You were just kind of like, who's this lady? Yeah, yeah. But then as we began talking and you were saying that you'd been praying for me and like that obviously meant so much to me. And then you had journaled things that you were sensing from the Lord about me and ways to pray for me. And you had like these specific terms and words that were actually things that were hidden in my heart at the time that I'd never even spoken to anybody. And one of them I remember even was safe house. And this was something that I was working on in Cambodia. And there was no way for you to even know that. And I was like, oh, my goodness, this woman is so anointed. (laughs) (laughs) So I just love that. And uh, we'll never forget that moment. But it's so fun to have you on today. And I know that you just released your first book. Yes. That's amazing. Yes. I just gave birth to it. (laughs) I would say I know that feeling well. Oh, wow. That's amazing. And you just finished a conference. Yes, Mm -hmm. I did. How did that go? Yes, it it went amazing. First of all, I just want to say, Nicole, thank you for having me on. I just have always followed and just admired your work. Mm. Um, So many people, you know, they just go through their pain and they don't allow it to become a purpose. And you really have allowed your pain to become a purpose. And it's just changing the lives of so Mm. many people. Thank you. Um, uh, The conference that I did was just Osa Women's Conference here in Texas in Austin, where I live. And it went great great. It's just, I don't, I know you see this too, but I really feel like we're in a time when women are really awakening. Mm -hmm. And so I just see it. I see women um, across the board in every, every walk of life um, from every background, just beginning to wake up. And, um, and I don't know if it has to do with the Me Too movement or the different things that have happened that have acted as a catalyst for people to start to ask their own heart questions. Mm, yeah. Like, yeah. am I okay? Mm. Was this abuse? What happened to me? Mm-hmm. You know, am I living my best life? Are there things that are, in, that are in my heart that are in my conscience or my, 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 I guess I should say my, my subconscious that are holding me back. And I think that it's powerful to watch this awakening happening. Yeah. 
I completely agree. I'm seeing it in so many different areas, even, Um, you know, all over the world on social media, you know, women Mm -hmm. of all ages are just beginning to find their voice. I do think the Me Too movement has been very powerful in that way. And social media has been helpful, too, and just helping to create communities. Um, Right. But I completely agree. And I love that you're really pouring into that and you're and you're asking the right questions. And, you know, how can I be a part of helping people to, you know, live a more abundant life and find freedom from those things that maybe have been in hiding for so long. And now I'm beginning to find my voice, but it still hurts. Yeah, well, it does hurt. You know, you can think of it as, you know, when you wake up from a coma, yeah, it's wonderful that you're awake. But, you know, now you're awake to the pain. Mm. You know, I mean, there are situations, medically speaking, where people have been so badly damaged by whatever they've been through, whether, you know, it's a car accident or whatever, that the medical team, the only way to really keep them to, you know, keep them alive, to help them survive is to put them to sleep. Mm-hmm. You know, put them in a medically induced coma. And God showed me years ago that this is what has happened to so much of mankind and womankind is that, you know, they've been through so much. They've been through such severe trauma that the only way to really help them not die from their wounds, their inner wounds, their heart wounds is to put them asleep. And I feel like this is the time where, you know, we're beginning to slowly wake up. And so we're waking up. We still have some some serious wounds and some damage, but we're waking up and we're beginning to feel the pain. And now we have to work through that pain so that we can heal. Mm, That's exactly right. And in your book, the book is called The Heart Workbook. And in that, you really kind of dive into that, right? You're identifying some of those roots and the effects um, and roadblocks. Yes, I do. I I help people. It's, you know, for me, it's kind of um, inner healing or understanding your heart 101, the heart work. And so, you know, so many people I've, you know, I've done a lot of things, a lot of work with uh, women, especially over the last 20 years. And, and, you know, we'll run around and we'll try to fix things in our lives externally, Mm. but very often we don't look internally for the answers and the roadblocks to life, to abundant life, to an exciting and happy and fulfilling life are on the inside of us. It's not your weight on the scale. It's, you know, it's not your broken relationships with your family. It's not your dead end job that you don't like. Those things have all been chosen by a broken heart. And so when you get to the roots in your own heart and your heart gets healed, those things automatically begin to fall into place. Wow. If that makes sense. It sure does. This book actually to step by step, it's a four part process help people understand, first of all, what am I? I'm, I'm not just a body, the thing that I see in a mirror. So many women get so hung up on what they see in the mirror that they never are able to go any deeper than that. They're always trying to fix the outside. And so mm-hmm. it, it shows us that we're not just a body, but we're also a spirit and a soul. Mm-hmm. And that soul part, that heart part is the part that gets broken. And so it, it walks the reader through the process of really healing that part of their life so that all the other parts can be abundant. Mm. I think it's really scary for a lot of us, especially trauma survivors, to be willing to even look at the heart, you know, because we know just we have this sense that it is so broken. It's so ugly and full of shame. And it's almost easier to not even look at it and just try to make the outside look right, you know, and hoping that eventually the inside will change. But yes, I know so myself, true, but- you have to be willing, you know, mm-hmm. to look internally yes. and begin to work on that, 
that heavy, that broken, um, the lonely, the depressed, the anger, all of those things, you have to look at it if you want to truly feel it on the outside. Otherwise, we're just faking it. (laughs) Yes, it's so true. And that's why I really invite the reader to partner with Holy Spirit early Mm -hmm. on in this process, because, Mm -hmm. you know, when those things come to the surface, and they will, because even if we oh, ignore sure. them, you know, the things that are packed away in our heart boxes will eventually be triggered and it will cause a massive explosion in our life yeah. and it will cause extreme fallout because it's going to surface one way or another. Right. But if we, if we go to a scheduled surgery, like no one wants to have an emergency surgery. Mm. Okay. You know, um, and that's what happens when we pack those things away and we don't look at them and we try to pretend they're not there. We have emergency surgeries where we have explosions in our lives where things come to the surface at the wrong times and they mess our lives up. Mm. But if we have a scheduled surgery where we're making a decision to do this heart work and we sit down and we invite God into that process with us, then we have a scheduled surgery. And it goes much more smoothly. It doesn't mean there isn't going to be any pain, but it's going to be a controlled environment, a spirit-controlled environment where we have the team around us, the Trinity, to help us, you know, Mm -hmm. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit to help us with the healing process. And, of course, the human people that God brings around us as well to help us in the process of healing these things. You know, the Marie Kondo craze has been really big lately about, you know, cleaning out your clutter and getting rid of all your junk and, you know, coming to this place where we thank the things that we've had, but it's time to, you know, part ways with them. And so we will Marie Kondo the crap out of our closet, but we will leave our heart a cluttered mess. Like our heart Uh, looks like an episode of Hoarders. Ain't that the truth? You know, (laughs) and and it doesn't work that way. You can't, you can't change your external environment. You can't clean your closet. You Mm -hmm. can't clean out your car. You can't go to the gym, you know, because it's probably not fat anyway. It's probably hurt. And so you got to get to the root in your heart if you really want to live a clutter-free life, if you really want to live your best life. Yeah, I I completely agree with that. It's, you know, you can make the outside of your life look like this perfect glass castle. But if you do, eventually all that pain that's inside will shatter. And it's much like you said, a bigger explosion if you don't really purposefully, intentionally begin to unpack what's inside. Mm. Exactly. And you don't have to do it by yourself. I know it's intimidating. Right. You know, in well, I think process, it's scary too to invite people in because you don't know what it's going to look like, and you don't want your junk to get poured out on these people that you care about. You don't want people to pity you, all of that. It takes a lot of courage to be able to bring others in, even Jesus. It takes courage to even reach out to Him and just say, "Let's do this together." It, it really, you know, it really does. But what people need to understand is that, and the one thing that trauma does to us is it robs us of the ability to be vulnerable. It walls us up and closes us off and puts us in an unnatural state. We were not created to be walled in. We were created for community. And so it robs us of that ability to trust and to be vulnerable. And that is the very thing that we're going to need in order to heal. And so we're going to have to take a chance. And that's why it's important that we're divinely guided so that we're with the right people. And I believe that if you make that intention known to the universe, to whatever you know is God, that mm-hmm. I'm ready to heal. I don't want to live this way anymore. I believe the right people will come around you, and you're going to have to be brave. You know, there's a lot of voices speaking about bravery and transparency and vulnerability right now, like Brene Brown yeah. and so many others. And it's going to be necessary 
for you to embrace that because the word vulnerable means able to be infiltrated or penetrated. And our hearts need to be penetrated by truth because they're full of lies. When we've been through trauma, it's not the trauma that's going to ruin your life. Not that one moment in time where you were traumatized is not the thing that's going to destroy your life. It's the lies that you believe because of it. Right. And so those lies have to be replaced by truth. They can't be erased, but they can be replaced. Yeah. So the roadblock, probably the first one then is just that lie that we believe that, you know, we have to do this alone and then breaking through and reaching out. And like you said, inviting, you know, God into your healing, inviting other people, making that step, taking the phone call to, you know, find a therapist, all those things, creating your circle. You know, my book, Breathe, I talk about the circle of inspiration. You have to be the one that takes control of who is in your inner circle that you can trust to walk with you and to be that support as you're making these hard decisions for your heart surgery. Yes, absolutely. And I just want to just put in a caveat right there where you said that is that people need to know that, you know, if you are a believer, you know, and you are a Christian, you need to know you can have Jesus and a therapist too. Yeah, amen. You know, someone needs to give themselves permission for that, because I think that there's a lot of ideologies out there in the different streams of Christianity that, oh, all you need is Jesus. Well, you know what? Jesus empowers and gifts human people with tools to help you. Mm-hmm. And you can have Jesus and a therapist, too, for all my friends and sisters out there that might be rowing that boat. Give yourself permission to have people speaking into your life. Yeah, definitely. We need as many as we can get. I know I do. (laughs) As many good people, for sure. Yes, for sure. So what are some of the other, you know, roadblocks to the healing and then ways that you've witnessed um, people getting through some of those roadblocks? Well, you know, I think one of the massive roadblocks is that, you know, and and for those that don't know, you know, I'm also an adult survivor Mm -hmm. of of sexual abuse and incest Mm -hmm. as a child. Mm -hmm. And um, I don't often tell that part of my story, not because I'm ashamed of it, but because um, God has given me a different voice in a different area. And the two voices would kind of like combat against each other. So when it's appropriate for me to share that information, I'm able to share it and I'm happy to share it. Mm. Um, But I know from experience. So I'm not just, I guess I'm just trying to like hair club for men. I'm not just, you know, I'm not just Well, it's even courageous just just to identify yourself. You know, sometimes it doesn't have to be your platform. But it, just identifying so, yourself as such a survivor is takes courage every time. So thank you for sharing that. Yes, thank you. Um, I just um, and thank you for giving a platform in which to share that on. And I because um, you know there's not a lot of places where it's appropriate. Yeah, <laughs> you right. can't just walk into a, a boardroom and say, "Oh, hey, I'm an adult survivor of sexual <laughs> abuse and incest." You know, there's yeah. not a lot of places where you can share that information. Mm. Um, so, um, but I think that one of the massive roadblocks is that. You, you not only are you traumatized, but you become your trauma. So I know that identity is a massive roadblock because whoever we think we are, we become. And so the people that, you know, most of the time, obviously, when you have been traumatized, you've been traumatized through another human. Mm-hmm. And I say through another human instead of by another human, because I believe that our enemies are never human. Um, I believe that there are opposing forces in this world, and I believe that a lot of people become puppets of those opposing forces because of their own hurt, their own shame, their own depravity, hurting people hurt people. And so when you have been traumatized through another person, you become their, you become that trauma. You become their sin, so to speak. Mm. So, you know, if, if you've been sexually molested, you become the sexual molestation. You, you know, and, and they become their sin in your mind as well. 
So they become the abuser and you become the abused. They become the cheater. You become the cheated on. They become the liar. You become the liar on. It's not just something that happens. It becomes an identity. Yeah. And so I think that the way out of that is through forgiveness. And forgiveness is not a one-time thing. It's a process. Right. And my book helps people go through that process of what that looks like. It's not a feeling. It's not an emotion. It's not even most of the time something that you want to do. You don't feel like doing it because the effects of trauma in your life, you know, prevent you from feeling like doing it. Your heart's not in it. It's like, you know, why should I forgive them? They've done this to me. And so walking through that process of forgiveness and releasing them to their true identity, because they are not their sin any more than you are your pain. Mm. And it's important that we recognize that we are not our trauma. We are not our pain. And the people that have traumatized us are not their depravity. Mm -hmm. They're not their sin. They are not their weakness or their mistakes. And so when we release their identity through forgiveness, that tether snaps and we are released as well into our highest and best identity. Mm. They become whoever God created them to be in your mind. They become that. They no longer become the abuser. They become, you know, whoever it is that God has created them to be. And you become who you've been created to be. But when we don't forgive, when we can't forgive, we become tethered to that trauma indefinitely. Mm. Does that make sense? Well, it does, because I always pictured, you know, myself connected to my abuser by accord mm. and before I could choose to forgive. And wow. it was it was also yes. because I I really had a lot of lies I believed about forgiveness. So I had to understand what forgiveness meant. And you kind of combated some of those lies just now. You know, and I felt like revenge was my way of getting justice because my stepfather committed suicide. I never saw justice. And so my way of getting revenge and continuing to say what he did was wrong and it was sin connected me to him constantly. And so when I finally understood that it, it wasn't mine to figure out, I forgiveness was cutting the cord from that and, and releasing him to God and saying, you do with him what you will. And right. I'm moving on in my life. And that was freedom for me. So that that tethering really makes sense um, for my personal journey. Yes, absolutely. And, and you hit on it just now that there are some things, there's some pain that's so great that it's not even humanly possible to forgive, you know, whether right. it's, you know, um, abuse or whether it's, you know, mm. someone who is irresponsible behind the wheel of their car drinking and takes the life of a loved one, a child. Yeah. You know, there are some things that seem so big. And so, so past our ability to be able to forgive people. And so um, it's important that we divinely invite God into that process because we can't forgive those people, but he can through us. Yes. Yes. It's not humanly possible for us to do it. Yeah. For me, it's kind of just like a releasing to, you know, God to be able to do that. That's my process of forgiveness is it's tethering them to him and, and, and letting go myself because I'm not God. I'm, I want to allow forgiveness in my life and I'm going to move on. It's a great way to put it. Um, because you know, the Bible actually talks about forgiveness as canceling a debt. And Mm. so it is a releasing it's releasing of a debt that people need to know is owed to you. Okay. When someone, when someone traumatizes you, when they sin against you, there is now a debt that's owed to you in a spirit. Mm -hmm. There is one. And so only you can cancel that. It's kind of like crossing that debt off of your ledger, you know, when you pay your bills, crossing it off. And um, we we can do that. And that is a process that I actually walk people through in my book, The Heartwork. 
Yeah. Why don't you dive into some of that? That's really interesting to me. Into the the debt canceling process? Yeah. And just the whole step of dealing with heart wounds and what that looks like. And well, I think it's, it's important for people to know that first of all, when you hear, when you hear a podcast like this, or when you read a book like mine, you, you immediately might want to start digging around, you know, I mean, I know I'm a kind of pull the bandaid off quickly kind of girl. (laughs) So if I know that I need to do something, I'm just going to get to it. And it's not that kind of thing. You have to let what I call a revealing for a healing happen. So once you, once you make the intention known that you're ready for this, you know, there's a saying, a very popular quote that says that when the student's ready, the teacher will come. And so when you make that intention known, Hey, I'm ready to heal. I'm ready to look at this stuff. The stuff will start coming up slowly. You might start dreaming about it. You might start, um, you know, you'll see something that reminds you of something that you haven't thought about for years. That is your indication that that specific thing is ready for you to deal with it. It's ready for you to do the heart work with it. When we start digging around, trying to pull up weeds in our heart, you know, a lot of times we displace, you know, good things too. You know, if you try to weed your garden when the ground is dry, you're going to bother the plants that those weeds are growing around. And so it's very important that we just let this happen. You know, after we, after we're consciously intentionally wanting it to happen, it will begin to happen. Mm -hmm. And so when that begins to come up, you know, we, we need to, we need to um, ask ourselves questions. So, I, I teach that the answers are not as important as the questions. You know, I don't think that we ask our hearts how we feel. You know, as women, especially when we go through things, and I'm not just talking about childhood things, I'm talking about everyday things. Yeah. We're so busy with families and children and just the things that women do. You know, women, you know, we're connectors, we're facilitators. Mm-hmm. You know, that is the, the feminine condition is to make things happen for other people. We're helpers, we're caretakers. And so when we ourselves go through trauma, we don't have time to stop and feel the feels to heal the feels. We pack them away. We don't have time to stop and focus on how does this make me feel? You know, what is happening in my own heart? And so as those things surface, you know, I teach my reader to start asking questions. How did this make me feel? Mm -hmm. What did I believe as a result of this? You know, to really begin to dig deep into that situation. And then when those answers, when we ask the questions, the answers will, the answers will come. And when the answers come, we're able to deal with that stuff one by one. Mm. Does that make sense? That's really good because I think, especially in this culture we live in right now with the Me Too movement and all the things that we're seeing happening and the horrible stories that come across our, you know, newsfeed we are triggered. There's so many triggers around us right now. And I feel like so many survivors are constantly expressing that, but not knowing what to do with it. And I think you really summed it up and in some really great terms is we've got to sit in that and not overlook it and give it the time that it deserves. And the, and you know, looking at it, feeling it, asking it questions, allowing really what's in our heart to come out and to find its voice. It's like your inner child. You're, you need to give her the space to tell you how she's feeling, but we have to take the time to sit with her and ask the questions. And through that and partnering with the Holy spirit and our inner circle, that is where the healing is going to happen. It is. Mm. It is. And, And women need to know because there's been so many unspoken and spoken, um, 
barriers and boundaries put on women and what we're allowed to feel and what we're not allowed to feel. And one of the things that women that's been frowned upon as not feminine and not a womanly thing is anger. Mm. And people need to understand that anger is necessary. Anger is a defender. Anger is what I call hurts bodyguard. And we need to pay attention to what makes us angry. We don't repress our anger. Okay. We, we allow our anger to come to the surface because it is revealing where our heart is wounded. Yeah. You know, one of the, um, one of the synonyms of wounded is offended. And when our heart becomes offended, when our heart is wounded, anger will show up when those triggers happen because it wants to defend that weak place inside of us, that hurting place inside of us. And so it's great to feel anger and you need to allow yourself to feel anger. But what you do with it is what's important. When that anger comes up, you need to acknowledge that it's defending a hurting place inside of you. And that's when you begin to ask those questions. Why am I angry about this? I read this on social media just now. Why does this make me angry? Why is this post making me angry? Why is the Kavanaugh hearings making me angry right now? Why, you know, why is this? Why is that? Mm -hmm. Because the Me Too movement, what it's done is it's brought the anger, it's brought the, it's triggered the wounds and it's brought the anger to the surface. But now we have to ask ourselves, what are we going to do with that? Are we going to channel that into something productive that brings healing, not only to womankind, but to mankind too? Because everyone, everyone without exception is caught up in this lie that we've all been living about what's acceptable and what's not Mm -hmm. as far as sexuality is concerned. And consent and everything else, right? Yeah. I mean, we can't raise one gender without raising the other gender. Okay. So, you know, when, you know, another famous quote, you know, when the tide comes, all boats will rise. You know, we we have to all rise together if we want to rise. And to be able to lift the other up. Yeah, because, you know, I mean, people only know what they know. And so for all the past generations, if if something's been acceptable, if, if if a way of treating people with dishonor, I mean, we live in a culture of dishonor. And if a way has been acceptable up until this point, then no one knows any different. But when someone stands up and uses their voice and says, hey, you know, there's a better way. This is the way. This is the way that we all get to live together. We all get to honor one another. We all get to rise together. You know, then that is when those voices will be heard. And I believe that we are in that time right now. Well, and you talk to, I think, in your book about being present and being powerful. And I wonder what that looks like when you're going through the triggers. You know, we're in this space where we're feeling triggered. We're starting to let our broken heart come out. We're working on the healing I think being present can be really hard. You know, it's so easy to want to run back away or numb or do all of those things. Um, But would you say that being present is being powerful? Sometimes we just have to be able to stand in the midst of all of it and keep claiming our identity. Mm. Absolutely. You know, there will be days in your healing process where you're not able to do much except just stand. And this is where community comes in. You know, we were not created to live in isolation. If you are alive, you are not created to be alone. Mm. You know, so if you're living on this earth, you were created for community. And so we really need that. We need that, especially in these times of healing where, you know, we don't feel like we can take a step. You know, we're doing, we're doing good to distinguish where we are. People that are listening need to realize that it isn't always going to be at that step. You know, healing is a process and you're not always going to be there. Right. You know, I liken it to when I, you know, quit smoking. I know it's such a small thing, but, you know, I quit smoking when I was in my 20s. And mm. every day I just felt like, oh, you know, 
I can't do this. Like, if I'm going to feel like this every single day, there's no way. Because I just, the withdrawal and just the, yeah. you know, mental, physical, emotional withdrawal mm. um, was just hard. And it's, but the thing is, is that if you stay with it, mm-hmm. you know, if you stay with it, you, you understand that it, it will get easier. Mm-hmm. It will get easier and easier and mm-hmm. easier and easier. And that's what healing looks like. Yeah. That's what, you know, coming away from, a false identity looks like, you know, when we are living in a false identity, you know, it has all of its own characteristics. It has all of its own behaviors. And that's what trauma does. Trauma doesn't just hurt us. It creates a different version of us. Mm. And so those false identities, it's hard to pull away from those behaviors. It's hard to pull away from those characteristics and it happens very slowly, but it does become easier and easier and easier if you continue to stand in it. And then you can begin to say it was worth it. Yeah, yeah, you can. Yeah. Now, now, you know, when I'm walking, I know it's, it's a weird analogy, but now when I'm walking through, you know, the mall or something, and I smell cigarette smoke. I'm like, Ugh, I can't believe I ever smoked. <laughs> it doesn't seem like that doesn't seem like something I would do. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like it wasn't part of who I was. Mm. You know, I mean, we all have, you know, we all have things that we, we look back and we're like, oh, it doesn't seem like me. Yeah. Well, probably because it wasn't you. It was probably, you know, that trauma, that trauma based personality, you know, I mean, there's a lot of things that I do now that I would have never done before. And, um, and I, and I do them because I'm not, I'm not afraid of people anymore. The Mm -hmm. old me was very afraid of people. That's a good analogy. I think a lot of us struggle with that, you know, or or just people pleasing or perfectionism, those kinds of things that, you know, it doesn't look on the outside like an addiction, but it is a way that our trauma is speaking through our lives and through the characteristics and it's not truly us at the core. Oh yeah. It's you not our some, freedom. Some survivors are the most productive people on this earth. They're the, <laughs> no, that's the right. Pleasers that get everything done. They're the, you know, they're the yoga teachers that, you know, teach 50 hours of classes yep. a week, you know, just, just, you know, out there just grinding it out, making it happen because, yep. You know, that's what they do. Yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah, pain doesn't have, you don't have to see pain on the outside Mm-mm. for sure. You doesn't have to look like you sitting homeless on 6th Street with a bottle of wine. Yeah. Right. It comes out in a variety of ways. But I think when you know it, it's when the person becomes free and they're able to sit and be with themselves and not have to keep striving or doing this thing to numb. It's when a person can just be with themselves, their heart is now whole. It's living itself out on the outside of your life, you know, and, you know, triggers come, you're able to face them, you sit with them, all of that. That's also powerful. I love to this phrase I saw um, on the explanation of your book when you said, resurrect childhood dreams, gifts, and talents. Because to me, that's going back to your true identity and who you were created yeah. to be from the beginning and to resurrect those things. How do you help people begin to do that? Well, you know, this process, as your heart heals, it just it's a natural byproduct of it. Mm. It's just it's a natural byproduct of it. And so as your heart heals, you know, as those false identities, those trauma-created identities begin to fall off of people, the real them. Because we all, you know, people don't realize this, but there is a real you under all those layers. Mm. And the real you starts to emerge. 
um, the students that I've had over the years that, you know, because this before this was a book, it was a workshop. The students that I've had over the years, they begin to have dreams. They begin to um, cut their hair differently. They begin to um, wear, wear colors that they before thought they didn't like, like, oh, I hate the color yellow. Well, the real them didn't hate the color yellow. The false them did because um, because they were told once by their abuser, you know, by the, and I'm not talking about sexual abuse, I'm talking about verbal abuse. Mm. Verbal abuse is so damaging mm. by the, the verbal abuser in their life that, you know, that they were ugly and that yellow looked horrible on them. You know, as those wounds are healed, the real them begins to emerge. Mm. They begin to do things. You know, when we're, and the one reason why people start night dreaming a lot um, when they're in the healing process is because when we're surviving, we can't dream. You know, when we're in survival mode, we can't dream. We can't see a better life for ourselves. We don't have hope for the future. We're just trying to get through now. And so um, people begin to do things and want things. That's an important caveat. They want things that they've never wanted before. They're like, oh, I want to go back to school. Oh, I want to do this. I want to paint. I want to just things that they never saw themselves doing, never dreamed that they would do because the real them is now coming out of suppression, coming out of isolation and, and, and living on the outside of their body, you know, living out out of their body, I should say. Yeah. Wow. And it's a matter of just helping that to resurface and to grab hold of that and to know that is, that was in you. That's been waiting for resurrection all these years. And your pendulum might swing really far the other way at first. Like for instance, <laughs> when I awakened, like I dyed my hair purple and pierced my nose and God <laughs> knows what else I did because like, you know, you're free. And I just like, I wanted to just feel like, because I was always the person who was always so worried that I was going to be criticized. Right. I was so worried about what someone was going to say about me because I had been so verbally abused mm. and you know, when I got to the place where I was free, it was like, I didn't care. Yeah. I wanted what I liked, what I wanted. It didn't matter what anyone thought of yeah. me. And, you know, and so my pendulum swung really far the other <laughs> way where I was just like yeah. super free and mm-hmm. doing things that, you know, most 40 year olds wouldn't do. Yeah. And I think that that can kind of be, you know, a way of claiming, you know, your power yeah. back. And then like eventually that. it kind of swings back a little slower towards you know, where it should be. <laughs> yeah. You're like, uh, you know, purple hair doesn't go with all the clothes yeah. I want to wear. Maybe yeah. I'll go back to brown. Yeah. yeah. Just, but, but it's your decision. Yes. It felt good you at know? the time. And you claimed that yes. that was your power. It was your choice. No one else yes. was influencing it. And that was okay for you. Yeah. I love yes. that. I think that's really powerful. There's definitely been times in my life where it was like, I D G A F and let's, and let's go. But you know, and that felt good. That was empowering and I needed that. But then, you know, slowly you come back to where, you know, feels right where the, the scale should be and, and you'll know where that is, but to not, you know, give yourself shame for the different places that you are on that healing journey because healing isn't linear. No, it isn't. And it's, and it's different for everyone. Like, so you, you did the IDGIF, but some people actually do need to care. They, their, their process in trauma has Mm -hmm. been like, I don't care what anyone thinks. I'll do what I want. And they're out there making all these self-destructive decisions under the guise of, I don't care. Mm -hmm. And now it's time for them to care. Yeah. Because hurting people hurt people. And when you don't care, oftentimes you are hurting people. So there's so many extremes to that. 
Yeah, but it's I know. eventually falling into the groove that was made for you, where your true identity is. Where does that groove um, find you sometimes, really? And, yeah. and just walking along, inviting people to that journey and um, and you're in your true purpose, your true passion and allowing those childhood dreams to surface. I love that. And eventually you're finding your true abundant life. Absolutely. That's exactly what it is. It's, it's happening. And it's yours. It's tailor made to you. Mm-hmm. You know, I think so many people don't understand that, you know, this, this life, this consciousness that we're in right now, this is our childhood. This is where, you know, if we're eternal beings, which I believe we are, this is where we learn a lot of important stuff. We learn to love and be loved. This is where we make the mistakes. We scrape our knees, we fall down, we get back up again. And so, you know, give yourself some grace. I always say, give yourself, you know, grace, truth, and time. And it's important that we do that through this process. It's important that we don't, you know, we don't take, you know, the things that are not serious too seriously, Mm -hmm. but we do take the things that are important seriously. And it's just time for us to, you know, step into the next level of whoever it is that we are. That's beautiful. I think the grace thing is something that I've been speaking to a lot of other survivors who are my dear friends most lately is because we're so hard on ourselves and to yeah. give yourselves that grace and time and to not have to push through to the next thing or, you know, just yeah. allow yourself grace for this moment, for this thing, this trigger, this memory, uh, you know, this season, grace yeah. for all of it. And grace carries yeah. us through so often better than anything else can. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and people that people that are in the helping professions now that are, survivors, they need to understand that, you know, God didn't heal you um, just so that you could help other people. He healed you because he loves you. I love that. Because I think a lot of times people get that employee mentality where, okay, well, you know, I got to pay this forward. I got to pay this forward. (laughs) Yeah. Well, you will pay it forward, but you know, you need to also enjoy it. Yeah. Because it's for you. That's so good. I remember when my middle son, Isaac, uh, was born, you know, I'd been grinding. I've I've been speaking all over the world for years and years. And when he was born, I felt such a strong sense that I was supposed to take a year and not take a speaking engagement, but just pour into that little baby and enjoy the <laughs> healing that God had for me. But I also knew it was a deeper healing coming yeah. and I needed yeah. to allow grace, time, space, truth, all those things you just mentioned to really come into my life. And so I did for 12 months. I marked out my calendar and didn't allow myself to really be that employee you were talking about. But That's it didn't mean so I good. wasn't a person of purpose and calling. It just was, it looked different during that time. And because you did that, you can go further and faster now. Had That's you not it. done that, you would have always come around back to that and had to do it, you know? You're right. I really do believe that. And after that, I yes. felt God released me again. And that's when, you know, the purpose in the way that I wanted, I had the desire to be out there. It came back and um, was very, very fruitful for me. But I needed that time of growth again, you know, so yes. I think that's yes. really, really true. Sometimes that part of that, the purpose is a resurrection, too. I know, you know, the amazing, incredible, brilliant uh, Rachel Held Evans, who who just passed devastatingly. She had said, we are resurrection people after all. I think that is so true in our healing. Yes. And in our in our calling and, and everything that we do, we are resurrection people and we need to look at it in that way. And when we're talking about your book and the heart work, that's what it is. It's resurrecting our broken hearts to be whole again. Yes, it is. Speaking of Rachel, you know, 
we need to be disruptors in our own lives. You know, she was just, she was such a beautiful disruptor who was challenging the things that didn't fit and that she knew in her heart that, you know, just didn't, it's just not, something's wrong here. It's not, we need to do that with our lives. This is another way that the revealing for healing can happen. Mm. If there's an area in your life that's in pain, pain is a gift. And it's like the engine light on our car. It lets us know that something's out of alignment. But if you're in chronic pain in any area of your life, there's a heart wound in that area. And you need to, you need to be a disruptor in your own life. You need, to, you need to ask questions to that pain. You need mm. to find out why that's there. You need, to, you, need, you need to believe, like Rachel said, that you know, we're, you're a resurrected person. And if that part of your life is still dead, then there's a problem. Mm. And, um, and so we need, to, we need to pay attention to, to our areas of pain, of offense, of anger. And the more that you pay attention to your own heart, you're, you're giving, it's like you're honoring your own heart. If you pay attention to your own heart, we're not, we're not taught to honor our own hearts. And if you pay attention to what your heart is feeling and what it's experiencing, instead of just pushing it away and running on, you know, on empty, basically, um, your heart will honor you and it will come into a place of healing. Yeah. It's a lot of just taking a step back and listening to yourself and asking God, what is this? You made this. So what do I do with this feeling? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Honestly, I've never asked anybody to do this, but I would love it if you would pray for our listeners. I was going to ask you if I could do that. Okay. For the survivors that are listening, for those who are walking with survivors in the healing journey, I just think your prayers are so powerful in my life and would just love for you to just end us in prayer today. Yeah, absolutely. I would love to do that. Um, I was going to actually ask myself if if that was appropriate (laughs) because I was really feeling that on my heart. And first, before I do this, I just want to, I just want to let everyone listening, especially those that have spiritual wounds that, you know, God is not the author of those wounds. You know, we already mentioned it on this podcast that hurting people hurt people Mm. and people don't always have the tools. They don't always have the resources. They don't always have the knowledge and wisdom to give you what you need. And, and, and if you've been hurt in a spiritual context by someone who was a spiritual leader, I want to apologize on behalf of those people Mm. and let you know that God was not the author of that, that he loves you, that he's still reaching out for you, that those people did not speak for him. They didn't. I know oftentimes as women, especially we might go to the church or we might go to a pastor when we're the victim of of some sort of abuse or trauma. And in the past, and I've heard story after story where that pastor or that church did not know how to handle that situation. And so they handled it very badly. Mm. They gave you bad advice. They made you feel re-victimized. They made you feel like you had done something wrong. And I just want to break that stuff off of you right now. That is not yours to carry. That was not truth. That was not the way God wanted you handled. But unfortunately, you ended up in the hands of people that did not know what to do with your pain. But God knows what to do with your pain. You know, I want to invite you into the, the divine exchange program today where you exchange your pain and you receive purpose. You exchange your ashes and you, re- and you receive beauty because that's what God wants to give you. And he's been waiting for you to come to him with those things. And so all prayer is, is just us, you know, letting our hearts cry out to God. And so I just want to invite you, you know, to take that, um, to take that wall down today and just go ahead and allow your heart to cry out to its creator, because he's the one that knows better than anything, what your process of healing needs to look like. And he's the one that is going to be able to walk you through that. And so one of my favorite prayers is very simple. It's just, Teach me, show me, heal me, grow me. 
And if you sincerely say that to God, I say it on a daily basis. If you sincerely say that, um, that will begin to happen in your life. The teachers will show up. You'll begin to be shown things that you can't see right now. They'll be illuminated to you, things that are just hidden uh, in the darkness right now. Um, you'll begin to receive healing and reinforcement in the weak and hurting areas of your life and your heart, and you'll begin to grow. And so teach me, show me, heal me, grow me. Let that just be our prayer, our heart's cry to its creator today. Mm. And I believe that you'll begin to see um, answers. You'll begin to see accelerated answers in your life. And I just bless you um, for those that are still like really, really in the depths of pain right now. We just speak support and comfort over you right now. We just thank God that you were able to survive what you've been through and we want to reinforce in your mind and in your heart that your life is not over, but there are beautiful and amazing days ahead. We release hope over you. We release help over you. And we declare over your life that this pain will have a purpose and your life will be made beautiful in Jesus' name. Amen, sister. Amen. Well, I love you so much. I'm so thankful for this platform. I know that I share it with so many people, and I believe that mm. the best has not yet been seen of, of the impact that it's going to carry. I accept that. All right. Well, thank you, Jackie. <laughs> you are a warrior and we are so, so grateful for your ministry and your friendship. Love you. Love you. <laughs> bye. bye For more information on Jackie and the heart workbook, go to Jackie That's D O R M A N.com. We're super pumped for our next podcast. Someone from the A21 campaign will be joining us. And don't forget to subscribe. You can even write a review. Find out more on Facebook or go to IamOneVoice.org.